Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have Ernie Vargas and Nixon Vayupak Parnonde. Welcome, guys. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Thank you so much for being on the show, guys. Really appreciate you taking the time from beautiful, sunny California, where it's 92 degrees today. So thank you so much for rubbing that in as we sit here in cold New Jersey. Uh, So we'd love to just dive right into it and give us a little feedback of how you got started in real estate. Uh, Do you want Ernie to go or you want my side of the story? Nixon, why don't you go? I go, huh? Yeah. All right. Um, basically I, prior to real estate, I was a club event promoter, concerts and everything like that. Used to do a lot of shows, used to do a lot of parties out in Hollywood, got married in 2013. Wife didn't like the fact that I got paid to party and come home drunk. <laughs> so once we got married, basically she told me I need to find another career or another hobby. So I ended up going to real estate. I signed up one of those um, ads on the commercial, the radio, say, hey, become a real estate investor over the weekend and come out to the seminar and spend a little money. I bit. I went to the class, paid a few thousand dollars, and found out it was more like an upsell. Um, 2013, I was like, eh. I didn't really go through with it. I decided to take a little pause, did some research on the internet, and then in I guess like 2014, I hired a different mentor. I paid actually to learn more of a real estate person, but this mentor didn't help out at all as well. Just pretty much gave me a little piece of paper, a book, and asked me to pretty much become like a bird dog. So that didn't help out at all. But however, I did get my first deal. So fast forward there, I joined a house flipping group with Justin in the house flipping group, um, found a little niche. I met up Ernie, jumped into probate. And from there, it's been like pretty much golden, I would have to say. I'm pretty happy about that. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. It, and sir. the group that uh, Nixon is talking about is Justin Williams's house flipping formula. Um, so Ernie, how about you? So how I got into real estate, well, that's kind of an interesting story. Um, so I, I wasn't a club promoter. I wasn't getting paid to get drunk <laughs> like my buddy Nixon. I was actually, um, the previous job that I had is I was actually a, a forklift driver and a chicken stalker. I used to stock chicken for a living and drive a forklift. So um, at uh, what we used to call price club back then. And uh, so I would uh, unload the merchandise that would come in, you know, the the, uh, the food merchandise that would come in off the off the trucks uh, with the forklift, um, and specifically take the cold items and put them in the freezer. So that's what I did. Uh, for me, that life was was you know, and and I'm a big storyteller and I love to talk, so I'll kind of cut my own self a little short because I can go on and on. But I think that um, you know that wasn't the life that I wanted for myself, and I think that that's where a lot of us are at. You know, I think when we transition into real estate. You know, we know that there's much more greatness out there for us, but we just haven't tapped into it, right? So I was there at that point in my life where I was like doing a very labor-intensive work, and I think my big turning point that sort of 
started to move me forward was when my manager approached me on the forklift and said, hey, Ernie, you know what? You really have to take care of this job. You know, you really have to love this job. In fact, you have to really love it with your whole heart because if you play your cards right, you can work here for the rest of your life and be just like me and get a chance to retire off of this job one day. I was like, wow. You know, I, I know you mean well. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like totally the opposite of what I want for my life, right? And, and um, you know, uh, so you guys ever hear that expression? It goes, when the, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Yeah. So I was, I was a student who was ready. I was looking for something better in my life. So I started looking through the classifieds, right? And I found this job posting for uh, car sales. And I thought, ooh, wow, you know, selling cars. You know, these guys just make good money. I thought, you know, they're always wearing suits. They look nice. And I was a big introvert. I had never had a sales type of job in my life, right? And, um, you know, so I, I, I kind of took that dive. I took that jump, right? You know, from a stable job that, that I had, a, a, you know, I had like a 401k benefit. I had vacation pay and all that stuff, right? That, that, that is security. Um, but uh, uh, I knew that I had to do something different. So fast forward, I get I get the job at the car sales. Um, you know, I thought I, I, I was feeling really good about myself. I thought that I had done a really good job. You know, fast forward, I find out that everybody and anybody can get into that business just about. So it wasn't really a big deal. Um, but what I got from that business, I was in that business for a few years. And what I got from that business was um, a couple of things. I learned even further that, that I did not want to work for somebody else, you know. And um, much less in a business where, where there is a lot of uh, unethical behaviors, you know, and I saw that and that just wasn't for me. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot about sales. I learned a lot about the human psychology and about how people work and think. Right. And I, more, more than anything, I learned about how to um, be hungry, you know, because in that business, you don't make money if you don't if you don't sell. Right. So that was good. I think everything in life gives us a gift. Right. But that gift that I got from Price Club was probably the fact that 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 it stirred that that fire within me to say, hey, there's something better in life. So um, one day I, I get this ad uh, uh, sent to my house for a real estate seminar. And back in those days, it was a guy by the name of Robert Allen. Um, and so I went out to a seminar. I was just like, wow, you know, everything that he was talking about, was like he was talking directly to me. You know, do you want something better? You could have something better. You know, um, you know, th th there's this world of real estate. All these things. I was like, wow, yes, 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 yes. At the very end, you know, he says, okay, those that want to um, be part of this, you know, just come over and follow me and pay me $5,000. Back then I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, I, I did not have like even half of that, right? Absolutely not. But, you know, um, um, I would go back to the... Uh, I went back to work, right? And every single day, all of my coworkers would always ask, well, where's Ernie? Where's it? You know, he's in, he's in the car listening to those tapes about real estate. Oh, man, that's, that's all he does every single day. Yeah, sure enough, that's all I did every single day. Instead of going out to try and sell cars, I would sit in the car and just listen to these cassette tapes over and over and over and over. You know, so it became me. It's like it was like it was in here. Um, and I said, you know, I got to do this. So um, I actually borrowed money. And I jumped into that into that world of real estate. I went to some seminars, um, and all that was fantastic. But you know, what really was that next turning point was you know when you take action, right? It's one thing to read and to listen to audios and to be educated, but it's a whole other thing to get out there out on the field and start doing. And that's when you know that's when real magic starts to happen. And um, my first flip, I was I was really blessed. My my very first flip, I took home a paycheck of one hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars. Wow. Nice, boom. You know, and so that was like, 
what an introduction. And, and I have to say that it wasn't skill. It absolutely wasn't skill. You know, it wasn't experience. It was, it was, it was definitely all luck. Um, you know, I did everything wrong that you can ever possibly do on a first deal. <laughs> you know, I hired a guy that, that got drunk and I would come over and I'd ask him if he was drunk. He said, no, and he was falling down. I was like, okay, you're fired. I hired another guy that was a gang member. I come over and he had all his gang friends in the house. I said, <laughs> but you know, um, but you learn, right. And uh, so it's okay. But you know, nevertheless, I was able to take home that, that, um, that profit. And so, you know, the rest is history after that. That's, That's great. Amazing. We could go a couple different directions. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take it one direction first. Nixon, you, you had said you had worked with a couple mentors and they didn't work out. Just if someone's out there looking for mentors, a mentorship program, what would be something that you could, you could check the box with now that you would be able to do due diligence a little better to be able to determine if it was a better platform for you? See, what I realized that some of these mentors were just pushing out education, just education, education. And I found out that some of them didn't really do anything anymore. They just like stopped. The one where I had to spend $5,000 to actually learn about real estate, in a way, I have to say it was good or bad because in a way, my wife gave me a deadline. says, here's $5,000. You go out there and make something of it. If you don't do anything in less than, she gave me a deadline like eight months to a year. I forgot which one was. But there was a deadline. If I don't make anything out of it, she wants me to quit real estate and do something else. So, but I was getting into that. I was like enjoying it. I was like meeting people, networking. So I like meeting people. So I started getting into the business. The person who was my mentor didn't really help me out as much. I went to a website called biggerpockets.com, started networking with different people, started chatting, started hearing the buzz feed, like what to do, what to hear. And then you see the commonality of what people are doing. So during that year, I found my first deal doing mailers. I followed what they said, do mailers. Done. Um, I brought it to my mentor. My mentor said, no, it's too skinny. Nothing's going to happen out of it. But I was persistent. I was like, there has to be something or something had to come out of this. There's potential in this. I put it on biggerpockets.com. Someone reached out to me and said, hey, I'm interested in this property. Let's meet up. I went out there. We met with the person. We met with the seller. You know, we tag teamed the seller. Um, and that's it. However, I had to go through another process where I had to meet the seller's sister. So that year, we just had our baby. It was in August. My son was barely born. Um, for some odd reason, it's weird. I used my son as a gimmick to close the deal. I have to say that. I, have to, I had to bring my baby to the closing table because they didn't believe that my wife was, had a baby and we had a son. For some odd reason, there was a bickering among the family. So when I brought my son there... They're older people and they're like, oh my God, how cute he was and everything like that. And I go, yeah, he's only three weeks old. Here he is. I love him. And here's a contract. And they signed in. I go, yes, we closed the deal. Went over the board. So it's just, I hold, that was my first wholesale deal. But that lesson alone made me realize, but listen, I have a mentor who was very skinny on, I mean, not skinny. I was like, think of something like, her approach was, you have to find a deal at 70% ARV minus repair costs. And I, here in California, it's a rare find. It's a very rare find. And every time I found a deal, she would turn it down. So I realized it's about networking, meeting new people. Um, because of that, um, Justin's names popped out in biggerpockets.com. And I started following his information. I started seeing his stories. And I'm like, you know, it seems like this guy's 
sounds legit. I'm going to follow him. I went to one of his events and I signed up for his program and everything just like pretty much fast forward. His approach is a little bit different because I see him doing it. He talks and then the family in that organization was talking and doing in comparison to other mentors that I seen were more like education, education, education. You don't really him do anything. It's just like do this, do that. And he passed the book. So yeah, I would say research, find someone, ask around and ask them, have they really done deals or are they one of those instructors that expect students to bring them deals? That's how they do their deals, which is not wrong, but you know, they don't go out there and search the deal themselves anymore. Thank yeah. you for that. And Ernie, you you had some great points about contractors. We've all been there. How how do you preface your uh, hiring practices today? Well, you know, uh, the the people that that I work with are people that I've worked with for years now. Uh, So a lot of that has just been through trial and error and finally landing on the right people that you know that you can blindly trust. You know, you send them out to the job site and you know that it's going to get done. So a lot of that's trust related, but um, how you start to, to, to develop trust is um, you put people to the test, right? You have to sort of, uh, um, um, you have to have that faith that, that, that there are good people out there for you. You do the hunting, you put them to the job sites, you do a little bit of babysitting, you give them instructions, deadlines, timelines. Um, and if they're meeting these, these deadlines, then, you know, you, 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 they sort of start to move up that rank in, 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 uh, in, in your, in what you expect from them. That's fantastic. So we've heard from both of you on your background, how you both got started. So how did you both find each other and then decide to partner up? Uh, Well, once again, um, I needed to find a niche here in California. So I was looking for something and probate kept on coming around a corner. I had a couple of probate deals prior to meeting Ernie and I couldn't lock it. I didn't really understood it. I got the books trying to find out just what is probate? So if people don't understand what, what we're talking about here. I'll let Ernie break it down, Ernie. You're the guru. Basically, probate is the is the legal process where property is passed on to from the deceased person to the heirs uh, that are in line to receive them. Um, that, that's how we as real estate investors really, more importantly, want to understand probate. I mean, there, there's so much more to that. Um, you know, basically, somebody passes away um, and, uh, and, and, and there's an estate that is left behind, you know, these persons' belongings all have to be passed on to the right individuals, um, and debt has to be paid off. That that um, um, that is more important than anything um, in terms of the courts. Uh, the only way that people can bypass probate is by preparing an estate, uh, and, and that's a trust. Uh, so if they have a trust, like a living trust, which you guys might have heard of, um, then that will bypass probate the probate court system altogether. Doesn't bypass death, right? People still die and then leave their property into that trust, which is also a secondary opportunity for us, right? Because that property also must be sold. People still inherit property, but probate in itself, I always look at probate as, as kind of like an umbrella, right? So probate being the legal code, um, and underneath that umbrella, there's a few arms. Um, one of the arms that I like to talk about are conservatorship cases. You know, these are the these are the cases where uh, people are not dead. But they are adults, uh, usually elderly people. And um, for us, specifically in real estate, you know, we ask ourselves, who are these elderly people who are no longer able to take care of this property and now are placed into nursing care facilities and things like that, right? Um, those properties tend to be sold off. So that's one arm of probate. The second arm of probate are guardianships. Uh, guardianship cases are minors, right? For the most part, minors have nothing to do with probate um, in, in the sense of real estate. Uh, you know, they're usually custody battles and, you know, 
ugly things like that between people that are getting divorced. Um, however, there are instances where young minors, you know, where minors um, inherit property. I, I've, I've had cases myself where I've purchased property from guardianships, and, um, and and they're all over the place. You know, um, either a guardian inherited a property from grandma or grandpa, um, maybe the, the uh, parent passed away, and um, um, maybe there's only one parent, the other parent, maybe there's a divorce, you know, so many different cases. But there are some opportunities in guardianships. Um, the, the next one that we all know is uh, uh, probates. Right, that we, we usually call probates, but these are actually the CFIC cases, cases where people have passed away. Um, and, um, you know, basically somebody dies, they did not have their property in trust, and therefore it goes through the probate court process. Um, the court determines who will uh, buy this property and how much it will be sold for. Um, generally, that, that, that's, how, that's how those cases work. There are some ways that we as an investor um, can specialize in, and we can talk about that a little bit further, um, how we bypass the court approval and how we get to the front of the line in terms of being able to uh, purchase this property from the seller direct and not having the court dictate, you know, who and, and, and how much. Um, and then the last arm of probate is the trust, you know, properties that, that are held in trust um, that uh, bypass probate altogether. And that trust will differ from state to state. Uh, I believe there's like, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, maybe about uh, maybe seven or so um, states that uh, that have a um, uh, that that um, that have their own trust code. Uh, so you know, but that'll vary. Uh, at the end of the day, it's still a property. What we care about, it's still a property that needs to be sold, and there's a motivated seller. That's amazing. Awesome. Thank awesome. you for that. Thank that you. was very detailed. We love it. That was <laughs> great. Yeah, but that's like spot on. If well, someone doesn't get it now, then we're you, that that's great. Thank yeah. you so much. So for all the listeners out there, go back, rewind about five minutes and listen to all of that again if you really want to know what yeah. probate is. And we'll get back to probate because that this is that's your niche. So Nixon, yeah. go back to how you and Ernie met. Yo, so once again, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> but same same question is like I needed to find a niche. So I met Ernie at an event. He was actually teaching probate. So I signed up for his course and I was like, okay, cool. Find a niche. So that's what I pretty much jumped into. And from there, like we've been communicating a lot going back and forth because I've been getting deals on a consistent basis. And then he's been assisting me how to close these deals. And then it got to the point already where he was actually throwing me more leads for him. And then we create some kind of partnership. But then I don't know. How would you say that Ernie is just like kept on going and going and we just awesome. We just pretty much talk mostly every single day. So yeah. it got to, we're just like, no, things are working well. Well, you're bringing me deals. We're closing deals together. Like we, it's like a tag team situation. Like boom, boom. Hey, I got this deal. You go find a buyer or vice versa. And then we just like, it just grew from there. So. And, and we both have something in common that, that, that helped uh, uh, things from the very beginning. Right. We both love to eat. <laughs> I know. My goodness. We love eating a lot. We know, would always be at fine restaurants. It's like, hey, let, let's, you know. So that, that kind of solidified. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was like, it was pretty good. It was really good. It was like, it was like a buddy. We just talk and we always talk shops and I was able to pick his brain and, you know, and I had some ideas about how to move forward in the business. And then he was just like, oh my God, Nixon, this is something I've been thinking a long time ago. And then we start brainstorming. We mind map the, all these ideas. And it's just like, 
our ideas pretty much synced up together. So that's why we're able to like work well with each other. I love it. I love how your partnership grew from just, from just you going to him for information and then you kind of collaborating a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're collaborating every day and then you're like, Oh wait, we're partners. That's amazing. (laughs) But a great partnership pushes each forward to bigger and better things. So yeah, kudos to you guys for finding that partnership. Now, is it, is it still an all hands on deck approach or have you solidified roles or, or are you both just as a deal comes assessing on how to get it to the finish line the best way? It depends on what we're talking about. Um, we did create a process. You know, we systemized something. You know, we have VAs. You know, we outsource VAs. Um, if you want to hear what's our approach in getting these leads, you know, Ernie would have connections with his research team because he's the one who would extract the probate leads. From there, I would see, obtain leads, and or basically, our VA would obtain the leads. We would research them. And then basically we would upload them to our um, master files. And then from there, we have certain VAs calling out based on different areas of the city or different areas of the states. And then basically once these leads get converted from code to warm, then we have our acquisition manager to do the follow-up. And from there, our acquisition manager will contact us and say, hey, we got a lead. I would sometimes go in and close the deal or the acquisition manager would close the deal and then we would earn and I would collaborate and figure out what's our best exit plan. It's either to wholesale it, buy and hold, flip it, send it to an agent, or you know, just trying to think out loud and figure out what's our best best approach on uh, maximizing our profit. But yeah, system creating That's a system. A great system. Yeah, love it. Thank you. So let's delve a little bit into probate. We haven't focused on that on the show before. We'd love to understand a little bit more about process, lead generation, and just maybe maybe take us through a mock deal or take us take us through it. Okay. Um, I'll talk to that. So, um, <clears throat> you know, th- there are some differences from state to state, right? But but there, there's one common denominator that, that we care about, um, which is a seller's motivation, the seller's need, and the seller's why as, as to why that property needs to be sold and liquidated. Okay, um, so that's what we'll focus on. The other things you, know, um, you can easily look up, you know, and, and they're very minimal. Um, but uh, somebody somebody basically passes away and they didn't have their property in the trust. So now they held their property under their own name. It could be a husband and wife. And, um, you know, usually one person dies before the other, um, you know, some short time or or long time thereafter, the second spouse passes away. Uh, when that happens, uh, you know, when when that when that sec- when that second spouse passes away, uh, that property uh, usually uh, has a lot of deferred maintenance. You know, and we there's a lot of psychology to think about. You know, why probate? You know, like I said, I've been in this probate business for a long, long time, and um, it's really interesting how how that never changes. Why probate is such a good niche is because. The majority of of of, um, of elderly people that are passing away are from what's called the greatest generation, right? The greatest generation is the generation above the baby boomers. Okay, these are the people that lived through the Great Depression. Uh, these are the people that really accumulated wealth, and these are the people that saved a lot. These are the people that also worked really really hard to obtain the things that that, that they possess. Um, unfortunately, there's also a group of people that tend to be hoarders, and so there's even television shows that talk about being, being a hoarder, and you know, things like that. That's very, very common in the world of probate. 
So human psychology is very, very, uh, very interesting to study. I'm, I'm very passionate about how the mind works and how we function as human beings. Um, but for some reason, when, when we, and you know, we're not there yet, but when, when, when we humans get to be of an elderly age, um, it seems that, that we don't want our adult children to be sort of hand-holding us and taking care of us, you know, because we were independent all of our life, you know, and I'm kind of putting myself in the shoes of, of, of our prospects, right? Um, you know, we were independent all of our life. We took care of ourselves and all of a sudden, you know, we're not physically able to do that. Um, yeah, I understand my roof is, is like shot, you know, it, it, it needs replacement, but I don't want you to touch it, son. You know, uh, dad, you know, you could have a nicer countertop and, you know, look at your kitchen cabinets. They're all messed up. I don't care. This is how I like them. So you kind of start to think about things that matter, like the plumbing, the electrical, the roof, you know, things like that. And if, if a house doesn't get the proper maintenance, then it becomes the first maintenance. And therefore, um, when that house um, is available for sale, it, it's not going to, um, it, it won't obtain a, a high retail price. You know, that's what we call fixer-uppers. So we're, we as investors, we're looking for fixer-uppers. We're looking for opportunities, right? Um, so that, that, that qualifies for us. That's one. The second thing is where is where is your your heir um, in in this whole thing? You know, well that that part, um, you know, we understand that that America is living paycheck to paycheck today, right? And um, and that's a, that's a real problem. That's a hardship. Um, when somebody when an adult parent passes away, um, you know that that really leaves a problem to the family that that that's left behind. You know, now we have a house that that's that's got a lot of deferred maintenance. You know, um, usually the adult children don't live in that house. You know, usually they already have a family of their own that, that they're taking care of. Um, oftentimes, these adult children live out of state or out of the city, right? And and again, full-time jobs, full-time lives, right? So that that really is an asset, but it's also a problem, right? So that, that house is, is a problem. So we, as investors, we always have to think about ourselves as problem solvers, right? We have to look for... Where are these problems that we can be a solution to, right? And at the end of the day, the way that we get paid is by providing service to others. And if we lead our business with that service-oriented mindset, you know, we will be very successful in this business. Um, I find that probate is probably the best place that I have found, and that's why it's my favorite, to be of service because there is so much of a need out there. And unfortunately, there are very few people that understand and know how to work this business. Um, I think that uh, many people sort of get excited about uh real estate and they sort of dive in and that's okay but you have to get some proper education to at least know what you're doing and always improve upon that um you know uh, i find that very few people have done that in probate you know so a lot of people aren't doing it right you know anybody can approach a seller but to understand where that seller is coming from and, and this is one of the most important parts is to understand the psychology of what's going on in this person's life you know what and, and, and a lot of that is just kind of, you know, just sitting and thinking about this. You know, where, where could this person be? Where are we at as a nation today? Um, okay, well, we're living paycheck to paycheck. So that means that um, this heir who has inherited this property um, probably, majority of times, um, doesn't have the financial means to support this property. You know, there are taxes that are due, property insurance. You know, there may or may not be a mortgage. Usually there isn't. But, you know, nowadays, because we're living paycheck to paycheck, the elderly parent took out a reverse mortgage. You know, so there's that. You know, so th th there are real costs, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, society. How do you, how do you now talk to a seller 
who who maybe has just gone through the loss of a parent? How is something that it, that can be a real touchy situation? How do you how do you come to it from a, a helping side and make the seller understand that you're there to help and you're not you know for lack of a better context being a vulture seeking on yeah. yeah 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 yeah. Um, you know, really, it, it, it's, it's patience and it's conversation. I think that's an advantage that we have um, is that we understand how to talk to people, right? Um, sometimes a young guy or gal is so excited about the dollar that they just come in and, and they just, hey, do you want to sell? And, and they go for the kill right away, right? And that's one thing that Nixon and I always talk about, that we like to train our sales reps to, you know what, Let, let's take it slow. Let's talk to them. Let's approach this with a conversation. Yes, we are here to buy. And, and, and at the end of the day, that, that is something that, that we need to know. But let's talk to them a little bit. Let, let's warm up into the conversation. So that's something that we do to be able to start to start things going. Great. Thank yes. you. Thank yeah. you. So um, we have um, a person in our team is uh, Wendy. You probably know her. She's in the group as well. Um, she works really well with these administrators and executors. Um, she does the calls for us as well, and she reaches out to them. And we noticed that it's a major drip process. Um, probate in California may take up to six months to a year. So it's a follow-up basis. You can, um, you can send out mailers. It works. They all work. Mailers, phone calls, whatever it takes, it all works. However, it's more of creating that relationship. You know, like Ernie said, it's a slow drip process. Create that bond because you have to come with a, a concept like, okay, Something happened. There's some type of emotional attachment with the person that passed away and a property. So you have to build that trust and relationship with them. And like we were saying, you can't go for the juggler. You can't go for the kill. It doesn't work that way. They'll get so upset and they'll just hang up on you or they'll just toss your mail away. So creating a relationship, talking to them, let them be open because, you know, during the beginning stage, they're, they're frustrated. They're sad. You know, they want someone to hear the story. They'll, they'll talk to you. They'll tell you, like, my dad used to do this. Here, we sat here. My dad used to carry me in the swing. Or my mom used to do this with me when I was a little kid. And we, this is where we used to bake. And I hear these type of stories. And you just, just listen. And then you just try to relate with them. And, it really, and once they understand that you're here to help, I mean, I think you're pretty much golden. I mean, you'll be able to build a relationship and hopefully close a deal with the seller. What a great like business standpoint that you're there to help. You're there to help these sellers get it, get out of their sticky situations because if they could hold the property, they wouldn't have called you. If they could actually take over the property and make it nicer, they wouldn't have called you. So obviously these people need help. They don't need somebody going in there and like you said, going for the kill. You guys go there to help, and that's that's just amazing. Thank you for that. So, what's something you're working on in your business today to to improve? Hmm, we're always working on something to improve all the time. It just drives me crazy. You know, fine tuning our process, fine tuning our system. Um, it's we're always having good problems. I would have to say, you know, like issues regarding about calls, issues about having more leads, issue of finding more buyers, issue of getting more. It's just like all these bad issues are really good issues for us. So um, I guess one thing I can say is that um, expanding our, our staff members and making sure that we're maximizing the usage of the 
person's hours because it gets to a point already of like, are we really maximizing their time? Are they doing a great job call, making phone calls? Or are we utilizing, you know, just like, oh, what's a good example? Like, we just hired someone right now. And I had, I had to maximize their time because were they efficient or not? They're making phone calls. We just transitioned from um, general, phone, I mean, uh, manual phone calls to the mojo dialer. And we realized the mojo dial is so much effective. I mean, they're calling 120 numbers in less than an hour in comparison to one person calling and it takes about 20 to 30 calls per dial. So we're, we're changing things around. We're, we're always experimenting in different approaches. Like do we hire an in-house person to make a phone call in comparison to do we hire an outsourced person to make the phone call? Um, we're always split testing these type of ideas. Marketing as well, you know, do we do the mailers or do we do Facebook postings? Do we post, we buy houses targeting people who passed away or do we market on a, on a general level? So I don't know, like a lot of things are always happening. So, uh, but as for Ernie, I think he, oh, he just walked, stepped away. He's back. Ernie's always like creating some kind of plan and he tosses at me and said, I got this idea, Nixon. Tell me what you think. And I'm like, okay, well, if you give me this idea, you have to build out a little system, flow chart. And pro- no, it's just weird. So nice. I don't that nice. Well, you got to have the idea, the idea maker, and then the uh, person to set up the processes to make the idea happen. So, so we love it. Implementer. Yep. Amazing yeah, stuff, guys. Awesome to be able to work in, in a team, you know, yeah. um, and uh, I, I think that's probably one of the things that, that helps anybody to really take the business to another level. You know, you, you, um, you share in the responsibilities with somebody else, you share in the profits with somebody else, but, you know, you, you, I, I think that's the key for speed. So um, I, love that. I love working with Nixon. That's great. Tell us, tell us a setback you, either one can take this, that, that you've had in your real estate career that was a learning experience and how you overcame it. Hmm. Okay, a setback. Um, okay, a setback. So when the market crashed, right? Um, I was, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a California resident, and um, back in those days, I had a team in in uh, LA County uh, and San Diego as well. Um, so those, which which are you know a, a few hours apart. Um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and um, um, Arizona. He always so, laughing because I've never been to Albuquerque, but I I, I always bring it up it. as a, as I love the city, even though I've I've <laughs> been to Texas, it actually is. But. Uh, you would love it. <laughs> you you would know? <laughs> Albuquerque is yeah. a great place. Um, New Mexico as a whole, I think, is awesome. Um, but um, anyways, so back in those days, uh, business was booming, things were great. You know, business was thriving for me. Um, and the market was coming to a shift. I saw that, especially when I was in Arizona, I saw that before, um, before it, it hit California and before it hit, um, New Mexico, you know, I saw, I saw the evidence of that crash coming. It was like a storm that was coming and you saw the clouds burst at Phoenix, at least where I was at. Um, you know, I'll talk to my California buddies about what was coming and everybody didn't believe me. Everybody thought it was impossible. Right. Um, Something good that I did is I was able to liquidate a lot. Nice. Um, 
which was good. Um, but what was also not so good is that I held on to other things, you know, waiting, waiting for that um, max dollar, you know, properties that I had on the market. Um, one thing that I learned about that is um, sometimes you have to know when to let go, right, and not not shoot for the highest price possible. Um, especially if you start to see a property inventory that you have on the market and it's not moving. Um, if it wasn't moving and I was, I was, I guess I was being greedy, you know, as I, I, in my mind, I knew that I could get more. I knew, I mean, like, Hey, I should be able to get more, but there was a shift that was coming. I saw the evidence of that. Um, and if the market is telling you something different than what your numbers are, then you have to listen to that. Um, and so there was a property, there was one property that I took a big haircut on. I took a big hit and, um, you know, so that to me was a lesson. I learned from that. Always be paying attention to the market. If, if your properties aren't moving, know when to adjust. I think that a lot of investors let their houses sit on the market and that becomes stagnant, right? Um, if they sit for too long. So, you know, you give it a little bit of a timeline. If, if, if it's a hot market like it is today, and um, if you don't see the activity that you're supposed to see within within a week, within two weeks, then you better be quick to make that adjustment and you better make it quick so you can move it quick. Otherwise, the longer it stays, the more unattractive that that property becomes and the bigger you know, discount that you'll have to take in the long run. Great yeah, advice. Great point. That's great. great Thank advice. you. Yeah, we see that right now with some of the higher price homes in our market. They're on the, they're, they let them sit there on 150 days and they just will not drop the price waiting for this magical buyer. And at that price point, we were talking one, two, one, three, there's such a select group of buyers that they really are waiting. And I, I just see this getting longer and longer. And people are people are going to have a point where this market's going to change. And it's going to be- The ship's in, coming. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting point. I don't you know. We can't predict when it's coming. Is it no. two months? Is it two years? But something's going to happen. We, you know. So thank you. But be aware of looking. Yeah. yeah. What is each of your big why for doing this business? We've talked touched a little bit about it, but what, what really stands out to it? For me, I'll say that my biggest why is uh, uh, my family. You know, I have a wife and four kids. Um, I absolutely, uh, time, you know, time is like the most valuable asset that we have, right? Um, you know, and then being able to spend that time with your loved ones is so important, so precious. Um, you know, the, the thing that, that's going to afford you to do that is money, you know, and what, what's going to give you money is a successful business, you know, knowing how to value what you do during your day so that you're efficient during your work hours and so you can be done with work at a reasonable time to spend that quality time with your family is important. You know, what we do during our work hours um, has to be very impactful. You know, it's got to be planned. It's got to be well thought out, you know, so that, that would be my answer. That Thank is you. great advice, being yeah. impactful during your day, using your time right so that the time that you have with your family is it's much more important. It's much more, you can concentrate on it. That's fantastic. Nixon? Um, it's pretty much the same um, family, but it was more of an eye-opener for me as of this year. Um, some of you may know already that, um, but um, my son... He was 10 months old and he had a stroke. So that was a huge eye opener for me because he had a stroke. We were at the hospital for the longest time. And during that time, in my mind, it's like, what I'm gonna do, what's going to happen? Is he still going to be around? Or if he is around and he's unable to be a normal human being when he gets older, who's going to watch over him? So that eye opener alone made me figure out, like, 
am I going to create a legacy for my family? And made me realize like, I need to create a legacy. I want more quality time with my family, my kids. I want to be there for them every single day, every hour, even every minute. I want to be there. So this pretty much catapulted me to say, you know what? Real estate is my end goal where I'm able to spend time with my family and travel with them. So yes, I need to figure out a way where I can basically gain every moment to be with them. So as of today, um, uh, I don't know if you're, my son, he finally started walking. And it was like, as a father, just tears of joy. Like, I, I'm like, yes. five or six months of therapy. I mean, occupational therapy, physical. If I didn't have this business, I wouldn't be able to go to therapy session with him. I mean, I went to therapy every single day and make and I, and my thinking is like, how do you train a baby to use its left side, use its fingers, use its leg? Now he's actually moving and he's walking. He seems normal now. But we still have an uphill battle. But like I said, real estate made me be able to do these. I'm just like so thankful for it. So, yes, this is my end goal. More time with my son, more time with my family, and just living life with them. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, yeah, speechless. That's, that's wow. And that's, that's great. and real estate gave you that time. It's it's, yes. a, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. It gives us time to spend with our families, and we need to use that time wisely. That is amazing. So, both of you, where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. I was thinking taking Ernie with me to Thailand and. Take him to some of these um, clubs out there, but I don't know if his wife would appreciate that. <laughs> or probably like sip on a coconut, relax on a beach with the family or something like that. You know, I don't know. Just like the way I envision it's like everything's automated. You know, yes. we're in the business. The business is like, I don't consider it as a job. It's just like, it's fun to do. I, pre- I love this. It's fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge rush, but relaxing. Long-term go nationwide. Um, doing things with family and hanging out with Ernie and hanging out with our staff, just like automated, just complete everything's all automated. Automation is a good goal. Um, Ernie, so what steps would you give someone new to real estate? Say somebody comes up to you and says, how do I get started? What is the, What are some action steps that you would give that person? I would say... You know, obviously, you, I would assume that, that that they're tapped into a support group, some real estate educational, you know, forum or 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 group or mastermind, you know, uh, real estate club, somewhere where they're getting taught, right? Um, but once that's done, I would say um, have have a goal, okay, that that you write down. Um, so write that goal down. I think that that's very very important. That was. Um, when I talked about my first deal, um, how I got from from just wanting to do this and studying about this to actually having done it was these three things. Having a goal, um, uh, writing it down, um, and, and giving it a deadline, right? So you have to give it a deadline. So not, not just having the goal, but without a deadline is not really a goal. Um, and and then just having it in your mind, but without writing it down, it, it's still not good enough. 
physically write that down. I put that down in my calendar, you know, by such and such date, I will have acquired, you know, my first deal. And, you know, I, I was even as specific as saying it will be in the amount of such and such, you know, and I have surpassed that. Um, and then lastly, the, the third thing to that is, is to believe, you know, you really have to believe, you have to have that, that, that belief that, that it's actually possible for you and that, that you are going to do it. I think that a lot of people don't have that belief. Maybe they have the want, the desire, they even like the goal, and, and but they don't believe it, right? And if you don't have that belief to back up all that energy and time and effort that you're putting forward, then you're not going to get that result, you know? So you really have to have that faith and that belief that it is there for you. Thank awesome. you. Thank you Love it. That. It's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> so what are some words that you live by? I don't know. I'm more like a ready, fire, aim type of guy because Ernie throws stuff at me. So I'm just like, okay, screw it. Just do it. Um, when we encounter something, we'll, we'll take care of it when we reach that road. But so far, it's ready, fire, and aim. You know? Just implementing that. You know? don't, think, don't think about it too much. Just do it. Just do it. I, I realize I see so many real estate investors joining the business. And they're just so caught up in trying to know everything, every little single detail. I need to get my business cards. I need to get my website going before I talk to a seller. I'm like, no, just talk. Go talk to someone. Implement it. Make an offer. The more offers you make, the better chance you'll be able to close a deal. Um, just, yeah, ready, fire, aim. Nice. That's my thinking. Thank you, Nixon. Ernie? Awesome. I'll just say service. You know, service. I'm I'm a big service uh, provider believer. Yeah. You know, if, if you have the best intentions for other people, um, and you're here to provide a service, it's not always for you. You know, you're not always going to be able to flip a property when you're helping a seller, when you're having a conversation with people. If you approach your business with that mindset, you will be more successful. Um, just be here to help. You know, be here to help others. It's not just about ourselves. It's your, you know, to, to be there of service to others. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we've you seen so that much. in about everything you guys have talked about today. So that's incredible. If some listeners want to reach out to you, talk to you, possibly get on your buyer's list, what's, where's the best place that they can reach each of you? Ah, if you want to learn about probate, you can go to Ernie's website, um, probatefox.com. And if you want to reach us on a business level, you can reach us at um, group334.com. So that's a website. So, yeah. So. But yeah, I'm going to give a golden nugget to your listeners if anyone gets into probing. Yeah. So um, a real golden nugget. Um, if you are seeking these administrators and for some reason you see an administrator that says pro per or pro pay, right? Or pro se correction, meaning that they don't have an attorney. They're actually doing the whole probate process on their own. So these individuals are learning as they go and they may hit some frustrations, or they may need some type of assistant, reach out to them. Reach out to them. Because when you call them, they're not going to say, my attorney's handling this because they're handling it. And they don't know what's going on. Or they may not know what's going on. Or they may know what's going on, but they're going through a lot of emotional wreck. That's a major 411 right there. Wow. Thank you for that, yeah, that little bit of a, a golden nugget. Love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nixon. Thank you so much, Ernie, for joining us. Yeah, well, thank you guys. <laughs>
This is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again for being on our show. And thank you again to everybody who's listening. We are very grateful. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. We appreciate each of you listening to our show. And if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rated review. Five stars. And... Give us some questions on Facebook. We'd love to have your questions answered by our guests on some of our next show. You can find us on Facebook at the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.